You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1339 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Monday evening, October 31st into Tuesday as we start November together. And today's podcast is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs lets you find qualified candidates you want to talk to and they help you to do it faster. Push your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedInMBA. I also want to tell you at the top of the podcast to make us your first listen each and every day. Check us out across platforms at Locked on Hawks. You can find us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and also on the video side at YouTube. And today's podcast is going to break down what became a pretty bad, pretty ugly loss for the Hawks. Final score, 139 to 109. Uh, there was some garbage time in this one, six minutes or so of garbage time, like complete and even probably even more than that if you want to kind of factor in when the game was actually over in the fourth quarter. Not a whole lot went well. I will say this at the top of the show, the Raptors are a very bad matchup for the Hawks. That has been the case for a while. They are a different style of roster than Atlanta. Without Fred Van Vliet, who's one of their better players, Toronto is even bigger than normal. They, they basically just play a bunch of guys who are 6'8 and uh, swarm around. They don't really have a traditional center on the floor most of the time. They give Trey Young fits on a regular basis. That definitely happened in this game. And uh, generally speaking, they ran it down the Hawks' throats. Uh, and that was kind of the, the story of this one was turnovers by Atlanta, which they could not afford to have. We kind of saw that coming. That was going to be a big part of this game was turnover battle. And the Hawks lost it in pretty sharp fashion. And then fast break points from there. Um, breakdowns all over the place for Atlanta on offense and on defense in this one, and not a whole lot to be excited about. You can sort of argue whether this, this loss is worse than the home loss to Charlotte because Toronto is a much better basketball team than Charlotte is, um, and obviously this is a game uh, on the road. Uh, but obviously this was pretty non-competitive in the fourth quarter, and uh, no matter what kind of what you think about that, it's sort of the, you know it's the back half of a long road trip. There are excuses to be built in, but the Hawks have now lost seven straight in Toronto. They've lost, I believe, it is five of the last six against the Raptors overall. So it's been a problem for a while, but it was uh, it was really rough in this spot. So uh, if you're a new listener, welcome welcome aboard on the podcast. If you're a returning listener, thank you for listening to the show today. I know our listenership usually drops in uh, after losses, especially losses like this. But uh, it can be instructive, and uh, I try to do my best to keep a level head on all these things and kind of give you what you need to do as a, uh, as a Hawks fan and kind of go through all of what sort of the takeaways are from this kind of game. But we'll dive in to this one at the top. And uh, also worth noting, Toronto had the rest advantage in this game. They had not played since Friday, so they had two days off. The Hawks, of course, played Saturday, and Toronto was at home on Friday, so no travel. That's an edge for the Raptors on top of the home court that they already had. Toronto was only three and three coming in, so the Hawks have a better record. But the Raptors have played six teams that were all good, whereas the Hawks have played their first five games were against pretty soft competition. So that's also worth noting. No bogey again for the Hawks. No really updates there. He was on the broadcast tonight again with Bally as um, Dominic Wilkins is still not with the team at this point. But bogey didn't break any news on his uh, recovery, just some uh, normal inside stuff from him. On the Toronto side, I mentioned it a second ago, but Otto Porter missed this game for the Raptors. And then Fred Van Bleet was a late addition to the injury report, first as questionable with some back soreness or back stiffness, however you want to put that. And then he ended up missing the game. And on paper, you know, Van Vliet is a very, very important piece for Toronto in their shot creation. He's their best guard, et cetera. All-star, all-star caliber player in the last couple of years. Um, but also, like, it kind of makes the Raptors even harder for the Hawks to defend in some ways and also better on defense because of just the size they have. So, obviously, you don't want to say they're better without Van Vliet because they're not. But uh, it doesn't, it's not probably the same level of drop that you would think for a team losing a player like Van Vliet who plays a ton of minutes for them. Toronto doesn't have a lot of depth. That was still the case in this game. But they kind of Their top guys were just really good in this spot. 
And also, not every day that you see a team um, replace its starting point guard in the starting lineup with a center. The Raptors went from Fred Van Vliet, who's their smallest player, to Christian Coloco, who is a rookie center. So uh, an interesting swap there. It kind of just tells you how big they were. It's basically Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes alternating point guard duties for the Raptors for most of the game. They're both 6'8", 6'9". It's uh, kind of a crazy alignment for them. Anyway, the Hawks were underdogs in this game. It was four at Online, according to our friends over there in the morning. Went down to two and a half or three, and then went down to two when Van Vliet was actually out of the game. So the Hawks were underdogs at tip-off, not by a ton, but uh, this is a game where like it was like they were favored by 10 points. They were certainly, uh, quote-unquote, supposed to lose if you go by the betting markets, but not quite in the 30-point fashion that this one actually took on. So without Van Vliet, the Hawks kind of had to have Trey hide somewhere. He guarded Gary Trent Jr. for a large portion of this game, really kind of the only option size-wise. But Toronto was playing again through Siakam and Barnes. Um, there was a nice block by Capella in the early going, but like for the most part, Siakam and Barnes kind of got what they wanted to, especially Siakam, who's been awesome to start the season. I've never been the biggest Siakam guy, but he's been really, really good so far this year. 31 points and 12 rebounds in this game. And then early on, Scotty Barnes, who's not a great shooter by any means, made his first three threes. That's uh, kind of a tough way to start things off for Atlanta. And the Hawks missed six of the, of the first seven shots to go down early in the game. There was a nice effort play that I wanted to flag from DeJounte Murray in the early going to stop a fast break. He kind of, you know, came busting down the floor to foul OJ Ananobi on a play that a lot of guys would have let go. He's a good competitive guy like that. Um, rotationally, nothing really out of the ordinary of AJ Griffin played more than usual in this one against uh, as he was playing the team that is coached by his father, actually. A notable thing there, but. The Raptors were really good on offense the entire game. They had 20 points in the first 14 possessions. Not the way you want to start that out there. Obviously, there was some caveat with Barnes when hitting the three threes in a row at the top, but uh, it didn't really slow down from there, obviously. The Hawks were down eight by the middle of, of the first quarter. They were uh, turning the ball over quite a bit. I know I teased that a second ago, but I'm going to sort of tell you a little bit more about that right now. Four turnovers at that point, including a couple of runouts, is not what you want. And before the game even started, I tweeted about this during the day on Monday. I flagged it multiple times, but... The Raptors have been in the top seven in the NBA in turnover rate on offense and defense. So protecting the ball on offense, turning the ball over defensively, creating those turnovers the last two seasons, uh, they, they thrive on that. It definitely prompts their transition offense. The, Hawks, the Raptors are not great on, on half court offensively, tra uh, traditionally. They love to run it down your throat. And uh, basically, I flag like, look, the Hawks have been number one in the league the last two years in turnover rate on offense. They do not turn the ball over very, very often, but they couldn't afford to in this game. And that was kind of widely known coming in. And the Hawks did not hold up their end of the bargain. They did not create turnovers in this game, nor did they actually take care of the ball. And basically, if I told you that the Hawks were going to be minus 10 in the turnover margin in this game, I would have said, like, they're going to be huge underdogs. Like, the Hawks winning this game with a 17-7 to 7 turnover margin against them would have been extremely unlikely. And obviously, a 30-point loss is a 30-point loss, but they could not afford to lose that battle, and they got rocked. So that, that's kind of uh, one of the big stories of the night, honestly. They did a couple of nice offensive moments in the early going. There was a nice lob from Trey to John Collins for a transition layup. Um, I guess maybe sort of a pseudo-dunk. But other than that, Rotationally, again, like just like Griffin came in first, actually played in both halves rotationally for the first time in his career. Um, I thought it was interesting that they did that. Not a problem because, you know, Aaron Holiday was the guy who played less in this one for Atlanta. That makes sense because of the fact that Toronto is, again, so big. Like with Trey, you can't take Trey off the floor. Like Trey's your star player and all that stuff. But like Aaron Holiday, um, for all the stuff about this year, like Aaron's been very helpful. 
But coming into the year, I'd said this a few times, like you don't want to have to play Aaron Holiday and Trey Young together because those guys are very small. Aaron Holiday is a physical guy for his size, but he's maybe six feet. Like he's not a big guy. And having to play him in this game, um, they, they, they still played him, but him and, him and Trey together would have been kind of untenable in this matchup. So they went to AJ a little bit more often, a little bit earlier, I think probably because of size. And AJ, unfortunately, probably had his worst game so far. It wasn't like he was just terrible, but he, def- he didn't have too much juice in this one. Also, Trey, which is bad in this game, we'll come back to that later on as well, but he didn't. Sc- he actually didn't take a shot for more, more than nine minutes at the outset, which is not the norm for him. He was still involved, had seven assists in the first quarter, but was turning the ball over a ton, ended up the game with 10 turnovers individually after actually I praised him on the last show that we did after the game on Saturday for taking care of the ball the last three or four games. Like He's been averaging like one and a half assists a game. Sorry, one and a half turnovers a game the last three or four games. That uh, regressed in this spot. He did have a nice give and go with Jalen Johnson. That was uh, worth noting. Jalen actually had some nice moments in that first half in particular. Hawks are only, only by six though, at the end of the first quarter. Like it wasn't like it was over early and often. Like it, it got away from them later on, but uh, it kind of went downhill in slow fashion. The Hawks though did, I should say, take the lead with about eight minutes left in the first half. Um, it was Aaron Holiday to join the bench unit at the start of the second quarter. As I mentioned a second ago, Jalen Johnson had a couple of nice plays. Like he had this excellent like pump fake and go move into a pull-up jumper from the left side of the floor that was sort of smooth and encouragingly um, nicely executed from Jalen. Um, Bogey was in the booth at that point with Bob Rathbun on the broadcast. He definitely loved that play from Jalen. The Holidays had a nice connection where they uh, where Aaron found Justin for a layup. Um, Justin had a nice pocket pass to uh, to a Kongbu for a layup in that, in that stretch. And again, like in the first half, it was kind of weird. The Hawks have been so much better with the starters this year than the bench. All the plus minus stuff kind of leans in the starters' direction. In this game, listen to the first half, I should say. The first half, the bench was actually the better unit pretty clearly. Um, in fact, again, they led by uh, led by a couple of points midway through the, the second quarter. They were 6 of 8 from the floor and 2 of 2 from 3 to start the second quarter with that bench unit on the floor. There was a great pass by Murray on a pocket pass to Okongwu as well to take the layup, to take, to take the lead for the, for the Hawks. But basically, that was the last time that there was really any optimism in this one, there was a huge block, by the way, I should at least say out loud. Akongwu rejected Coloco at the at the point of attack. That was a fun one to watch. But at the end of the second quarter, the wheels came off and they, and they never came back on. It was a 13-0 run by the Raptors. The Hawks didn't score for almost four minutes late in the first half. Some pretty shaky shot selection across the board. Three turnovers. There was one really bad one from Hunter, who was really struggling in this one for the most part. They got overwhelmed by the pressure of Toronto a few different times in that stretch. Collins had some bad ball handling moments as well. Trey was really shaky. And they were down 11 after all of that. Again, the starters had been good all year long, but um, everybody other than Murray was minus 16 or worse in the starting lineup in the first half. Um, I thought Hunter was probably the worst player on the floor for the Hawks in that first half. He uh, had some loose handle stuff. He was one five from the floor. One rebound just didn't have much use at all. And offensively, the Hawks had 10 turnovers in the first half. And like, I don't want to make too much of it again. And I'm sure I'll say it one more time at the end of the podcast with some takeaways, but Travis even said it on the broadcast, which I thought was interesting. And by the way, it's like, Interesting and fun in in my seat to like hear Travis Schlenk talk about the team for a half of basketball live. That probably won't happen again this year. He was only kind of just doing emergency fill-in duty for Neek, but he was talking about the fact that they were majority live ball turnovers as well. And that's a good point to make. Like Toronto having their entire offense fueled by transition really hurt the Hawks in this one. And they just couldn't afford that. They shot the ball pretty well in this game. Like not, not incredibly, but like reasonably well. For a game they lost by 30, they actually had solid enough shooting numbers. It was just everything else basically went bad for the Hawks. Um, you know, Toronto only, only had five turnovers in the first half, only had seven in the entire game, blah, 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 blah. But it was uh, it was a roller coaster ride for sure. Uh, unfortunately, there is more to discuss 
about this game and kind of the second half and how bad it was for Atlanta as well as, as well as some takeaways. And always, as we do on the show, we'll have some player-by-player player evaluations later in the podcast. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn. And these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain you're the best, the best qualified candidates in mind and available. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you to find the right people for your team. They do it faster and they do it for free. I've had to hire a few times in the last couple of years. And LinkedIn Jobs proved to be an awesome resource for me. It's incredibly easy to create a free job post at LinkedIn Jobs. And they have high-quality candidates that you need to locate your, and make eventually your best possible hire. Then once you're set up, add your job and the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're actually hiring. And LinkedIn Jobs also has simple tools like screening questions to make it easier to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience. You can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and eventually hire. You want to finish the year strong and finding the right team member is a key piece of doing just that. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires against leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to and they help you to do it faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnMBA. That is linkedin.com slash LockedOnMBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right. And the second half, as uh, you might expect, was not great. But the first part of the third quarter was maybe the best run in the entire game. Uh, and the starters actually woke up after their sloppy, ugly first half. It was a 13-4 to run by the Hawks at the outset of the third quarter to cut it down to all the way down to two. So they were down by 11, get it all the way to two. There was a four-point play by, by, by Murray to start the scoring. Then Hunter hit a three, actually hit uh, his first three-point attempts, his first three three-point attempts in the first in the, sorry, in the second half. Hunter did not play well in this game, but that was the, the one nice stretch for him where he just made three jumpers in a row. Defensively, though, he was scuffling, got his fourth foul um, in that stretch, had to come out of the game. My pal, Glenn Willis, who's been on the show many times, I'm sure we'll be on the show again in the near future, said on Twitter during the game that Hunter – does not seem to get a lot of respect from officials. I definitely agree with that. I don't know if it's like anecdotal or what. It does seem like Hunter, was, at least this year, has been in some foul trouble in a weird way because he isn't the most physical guy. Like I actually, actually wish he was more physical. Um, his traits are probably better than he plays at sometimes defensively. But for whatever reason, he's been in a lot of foul trouble this year. Some ticky tack stuff there. I think it lets him bother him a little bit. He was not good in this game, but that's worth at least knowing he was in foul trouble for a large portion of this one. Um, but then it was kind of back to where it was before. Some bad turnovers. There was one by Trey, one by DeJounte right after that run kind of stopped. Uh, they were down in that like six to eight point range for most of the third quarter. Uh, similarly to the first half rotation wise, uh, 10, a 10 minute rotation for the most part. But like it was in the second quarter, the third quarter also had a big run by Toronto. When the Hawks were down by four with like six minutes to go ish in the third quarter, a 13 0 run by the Raptors that was extensive because the Hawks just could not score. They didn't score for more than five minutes. And uh, that's hard to do in a game that was like a, a whistle fest. There was lots of stoppages and it felt like an eternity without a point for Atlanta. Part of that was that they were not getting stops either. So they, they kept having to try to score on a set defense for Toronto. And they were playing very well when they were actually engaged and set on defense. Um, in the first half, some of the success the Hawks, Hawks actually had was kind of beating, beating them down the floor with quick hitters. That just couldn't happen because Toronto was kept, they kept getting set defensively. And uh, also a large, a lot of that problem defensively was like they were in the bonus for almost the entire third quarter. Like there were so many free throw attempts, so many quick whistles, and it was kind of a perfect storm against the Hawks there. Um, they missed nine straight shots in the third, plus three turnovers uh, sprinkled in. So, you know, 12 consecutive possessions without a bucket, basically. One of the turnovers was a terrible moving screen call that Travis Schlenk uh, was trying not to get fined about on the broadcast, I think. Uh, he, was not, he was not enjoying that one. But uh, the other two were pretty bad from Trey, who struggled really the entire game. Uh, mercifully, Capella scored the last four points of the quarter to get it back a little bit on the rails. But um, they were still down by 15 points. And sort of in the opposite of the first half, the bench got smoked. At least the bench 
heavy lineups got smoked in the third quarter. Down 15 at the end of the third. Um, they had 15 turnovers for, for three quarters. So it wasn't like they had a bunch of garbage time turnovers in the fourth to get to 17. They had 15 through three. That's way too many. The Raptors were more physical just at the point of attack everywhere, basically. That's what Nate McMillan said after the game as well. That was pretty evident on tape. They took a lot of free throws, and they earned some of them, most of them, not all of them probably, but most of them in this game. And the Raptors led by 20 early in the fourth. There was one small mini run from the Hawks when Collins had three-point play and then Justin Holiday hit a three back to about 14 or so early in the fourth. Um, there was a scary moment, at least a bit of one, uh, with about nine minutes left in the game when a Collins came out of the game in clearly in pain and holding his shoulder. He was checked on by the training staff, and it seemed like he was given kind of a go, the go-ahead. Um, the, the staff, they were showing on the broadcast, they kind of left him alone after that. So I think he was probably fine, but we'll see on that one. He didn't have to come back in the game because the Hawks were down by so much. There's no reason to put him back in. So no information to be gleaned there, but circle that one for the injury report as it comes out on Tuesday for Wednesday's game. I think he's fine based on his reactions, but you never want to know that. I'm sure the Hawks will, get, will have that checked out a little bit further because they cannot afford to have him be banged up in the future. Um, other than that, like the Raptors got back to 22 with like seven and a half minutes to go. That was pretty much it, honestly, to the point where Travis said on the air that he was uh, talking about considering getting the young guys in the game. That was kind of a good uh, indicator the game was probably over. And then uh, after Collins fouled out with like six and a half minutes to go on a three-point play, that was really it. After a timeout, they came back from the, from the break, and it was the full-on third, fourth unit for Atlanta. It was Trent Forrest, Vic Krejci, Tyrese Martin, Andrew Griffin basically playing the four and then Frank Kaminsky. So that was kind of your uh, indication the game was over. There wasn't a whole lot to be gleaned from that, from that, uh, from that stretch. They were down by as many as 35 in the fourth quarter before losing by 30. And that kind of tells the story of how this one went. So this is a two way mess for Atlanta offensively and defensively. We'll start with the defense, um, a 139 defensive rating. Now you cannot fake that that you, you just have no chance to win with that number, no matter how bad the offense was at times. Cause and it definitely was, um, that's just unacceptably bad. Now, Toronto, tip of the cap, they shot the ball well in this game. 41% from three. They got to the line 40 times. Yes, 40 times. They made 33 of them. You know, that's one of those things that, like, part of that's the Hawks. Part of that's a tight whistle that definitely favors Toronto in this game. But uh, it was uh, it was a mess. Um, the Raptors had 43 fast break points. Now, they were number one in the league coming into the night with 20.2. So, again, they were leading the league. If that's great points this year, averaging 20 a game, they had 43. So they had double the amount, and they are leading the league coming in. That tells you the story. We'll get back to that in a second with the offense. But only seven turnovers for the Raptors. Like, the Hawks are not a huge turnover creation team, nor will they probably ever be. But they have been a little bit better than that, better than usual with that this year with Murray now on board. He's more of a habit creator than some guys they've had in the past. But seven turnovers is not enough to be creating in this game. The Hawks were dreadful at the point of attack in this one like Trey had nowhere to hide he was very bad defensively he was not alone I thought Hunter really struggled defensively uh, I don't think Murray was his best self defensively I think Collins had, has a tough matchup against Siakam and others in this game you know you're, you're trying to have Capella and Okongwu guard Siakam who's basically playing point guard and they kind of had to do that at times but like it's not a bad it's not a good situation for the rest of the guys anyway everything was bad uh, and, and again, Toronto shot well from three for good measure like they were going to get whatever they wanted anyway with the way things were going and they shot well on top of that to kind of make it um the Hawks probably lost this game like on the margins by like 15, maybe 20. Uh, and then it got to 30 because they made threes. <laughs> so keep that all in mind as well. Uh, offensively, it honestly might have been the bigger problem. I don't know if I, I'm not sure how I weigh this in this one. It's like offensively, the numbers were not as bad as the defensive numbers, but because of the offensive shortcomings, the defense was actually worse. So they had, one, they had a 108 offensive rating. Now, now that is bad for the Hawks. That's well below their average. Um, and 
like I said before, the offense made life difficult on the defense in this game um, and the way they fueled the fast break and transition stuff for the Raptors. So the Hawks had 18 turnovers in the game. Um, it was 17 at one point. It was corrected 18. No matter what, it was either 17 or 18. I think it was, I think it was 18 by the end. Um, that's just, you know, comically too many for this Hawks team. Now, that led directly to 24 points on, like, the ensuing possessions. But Toronto was running all night long off of any miss, off of any turnover. The Hawks did shoot the ball, like, decently well. 46% from the floor, 38% from three on decent volume for the Hawks after a slow start on that front in the first half. They had 28 assists. That's a good number, but they just had too many turnovers the entire night and then did not get any possessions back on the offensive glass. So, you know, the turnovers, like, I don't want to overstate it, but truly, like, the one thing that I circled on Twitter and other places coming into the game was the Hawks could not, could not afford to turn the ball over, and they did it. So offensively, it was bad. Like, I, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get back to Trey in a second. But when Trey is as bad as he was in this game, the Hawks are going to struggle on offense. That's part of the deal. But it wasn't like anybody was particularly brilliant. In fact, in the first half, no one even reached double figures. By the end of the game, it looks like the Hawks had a lot of balance. They actually had six guys in double figures. But uh, only Murray was like truly productive on offense in this game. He had 20 points um, on 17 shooting possessions. It wasn't like he was super, super duper efficient either. He was their best player on offense this, uh, on this night, but it wasn't like anybody was particularly good. So anyway... Doomsday wise, like, you know, we'll come back to this in a second at the end of the show, but it was a rough one. Like, there's a lot to be frustrated about. I will do one more reminder here that this is a truly terrible matchup for the Hawks. So, like, it doesn't excuse it. The Hawks shouldn't lose by 30 points to anybody at any point with their full lineup available. But if you were circling a bad matchup on the schedule, this would have been one of the five most difficult, probably, matchup wise on the entire schedule when you factor in road trip, um, end of a road trip. Toronto's physicality, all that stuff. Like, I know without Van Vliet, maybe not the same quite thing, but, like, it's a really, really tough one, which is at least some bit of context in the middle of a bad loss for Atlanta. Okay, we'll have one more segment coming about the player evaluations in this game. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show. All right, we'll dive in now to the player evaluations. It'll be, it'll be a little bit shorter than usual in this one because it was so rough. Uh, everyone had a bad plus-minus in this game. Uh, even the uh, garbage time guys, the only guy who did not was Jalen Johnson, basically. Um, and a little bit of Aaron Holiday was sprinkled in. But um, we'll start with we'll start with Aaron Holiday. He played the least of the rotation guys. He played nine minutes. As I mentioned before, like it's a bad matchup for him, uh, especially with Trey on the team. Like he's just too small to deal with them. He also did not play well. It's kind of funny that he was plus five because I don't think he played well at all. I think defensively he's kind of overmatched in this particular setting. He was old, old one from the floor, did have one assist, but nothing else really to, to speak of. So a quiet night for him. Nothing terrible, but not his best necessarily. Jalen did have some nice moments. Five points, four rebounds, had an assist. Did have three fouls in 11 minutes, um, but was uh, aggressive. And I thought played some of his best basketball offensively. Defensively, it's been an adventure still. I think it's definitely clear why he wasn't playing a lot last year. It was his defense. But I think he he is showing some good signs on offense, particularly with his passing. Um, his creation equity is nice to see. As I said briefly earlier, Griffin probably had his worst game. Uh, he did have two points on three shots, two rebounds and an assist. Defensively, it's still a bit rough for AJ. I think he had a couple better moments early on in his uh, first couple games, a little bit less so recently. Just it wasn't as aggressive hunting his shot in this one. Um, misses only two, three, his only two three-point attempts, which is fine. I don't worry about his shooting at all. But, you know, it's kind of a lost game, but he did play in both halves rotationally, so maybe we'll see, a little, see him a little bit more. I'm wondering if that was a one-off because of just how uniquely bad this matchup was for Aaron Holiday, but we'll see as we uh, as they sort of hit the hit, hit the road again again and play the Knicks on Wednesday, whether it's more Griffin or back to normal where Aaron Holiday is playing more minutes than Griffin. Uh, the last guys on the bench that played a little bit more, Justin Holiday had a good first half, 
cooled off, but had 12 points to lead the bench in scoring, had an assist, had a block, five away from the floor, two, four from three. Uh, last two games, he's made shots, and Justin Holiday is a proficient enough shot maker. Uh, I've talked about this a lot on, on Saturday, so I won't, I won't repeat myself, but he's a he's a 37% three-point shooter over six over six season sample. There's no reason to believe that he won't make shots. Like, is he going to be – he's not AJ Griffin. Griffin's a much better shooter than Justin Holiday. He has to be guarded is what I'll say about Holiday. He's not a great shooter, but he's got to be respected, and we see that not, not the last two the last two games. And then Kongu was really good, I thought. You know, the, he, he left the game early. So he, I think he would have played upwards of 20-plus minutes if this, if this game had been competitive. Eight points, five rebounds, an assist, two blocks, three or four from the floor, two two from the free throw line. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tackle Capella in a second as well. I've kind of group these guys together. Um, this is, of all the guys on the roster, the only player I think that actually you could say Toronto is a good matchup for is Akongwu because Akongwu is so mobile and the fact that he's not giving up any size to these guys. Like, he's the only guy that, like, physically – and just the way he pro- approaches the game and the way that he bows up, like he actually matches up quite well with Siakam and with Barnes and with even with Ananobi, like he's their size. So like, I don't know, it's just a weird sort of one off, like for Capella, who we'll get to in a second, it's like a uniquely terrible matchup, kind of like the whole, like, kind of like the whole team is. But with the Kongwu, it's like, actually, this is a great matchup for Kongwu. And he played very well. Like he had a couple of great highlight level blocks. His uh, his touch around the rim was very impressive again in this one. He's playing very well. And I said it during the game. I don't know when it was here after a 30 point loss, but it's a reminder again, the Hawks have 48 good minutes of center. And like, it's a really, really nice thing to have on your roster um, beyond today's game, of course. Speaking of, uh, Capella was not terrible. I saw people like blaming Capella for this. It's kind of crazy to me. Like he's, I guess, the punching bag for this season. Uh, I'm not sure why that is, but um, it is a bad matchup for him. Let's just say like, because he doesn't have anybody to guard. Like he's, he's a rim protector. He was guarding Siakam at times. He was kind of guarding Barnes, you know, Coloco was out there, but like he had 13 points, five rebounds in 25 minutes. He actually made six of his seven shots at the rim, which is uh, better than usual for Capella, but uh, it's definitely a bad, a bad spot for him. Generally speaking, I know I was going back and forth with my friend, Tower Jones, who's very smart about this stuff. Tower's been on the, on the podcast several times. And, um, you know, I think Capella has not, you know, the burst that he's kind of had previous years has not quite been there for him. And that shows up on, on tape. That's definitely true. Um, I will say this is a spot, though, where like it looks worse than it actually is because Toronto is so fast and Capella is not a Kongu on the speed on the, on the speed scale. Like he, he, he's still, I think, is a pretty solid athlete for a center, but not a guy who's like changing the game on that. And against Toronto, like he looks a step slow because he probably is against those guys. So a bad matchup for him. He wasn't good. I don't think he was bad though. I think he was just kind of fine. And rebounding wise, he's going to have to be better than this, but like that's something that always flag for the future. Uh, elsewhere, the forward spots were not great. I think Collins was better than Hunter for sure, but neither one of those guys had a great game. I thought Hunter really struggled. He had the three threes and about a three-minute sample size in the third quarter, and other than that, he was terrible, I thought, honestly. Um, but he did make three threes. That, that's at least notable. He's one of six on twos, one rebound, one assist, no free throw attempts, 11 points, and five fouls. Like Defensively, he was really kind of getting run over in this one. Offensively, the ball handling is still an adventure for Hunter. You're hoping it gets better, and maybe this is sort of a one-off, but it was really rough on tape. And uh, he'll have to be better than this. I, I think he has had a decent season so far. That's about him extensively with Tyler, actually, um, on, a pod, on a podcast last week. But um, the last few games, he's not been quite as good as he was early in the season. So we'll see how he looks moving forward. But the foul trouble has been kind of weird. And I thought he was probably their worst player of the prominent guys in this game. Collins did not shoot the ball well. He was only one of six from three. He was four of six on two, which is totally fine. 12 rebounds to lead the team. But uh, six fouls, fouled out of the game in 30 minutes. Um you know, he's always kind of struggled against uh, against Toronto for whatever reason. Uh, I think Siakam's really 
really difficult to face. Um, you know, Ananobi's a good player as well. So he wasn't terrible, but he was not great either. And then uh, the backcourt, I mentioned this before, but DeJounte was the best player for the Hawks in this game. 20 points, nine assists. Did have four turnovers, but that was not quite as terrible as some of the other guys. Shot the ball from two was five, uh, no, sorry, five of 11. Not, not, not great necessarily, but okay. It was two of four from three. Got the line four times. I thought he was like not awesome for him, but he played reasonably well. He was one of the only guys that played reasonably well in this game. And then finally, Trey, um, I thought Trey was like really bad, like really, really, really bad in this game. Um, as noted a few different times on the show, like it's also a bad matchup for him. Like maybe you wouldn't say as directly as Capella, but there's just nowhere for him to hide defensively, especially with Van Vliet off the floor for Toronto. Um, which already makes life ter- uh, makes life difficult for Trey, and then you have this cavalcade of six eight guys shadowing him everywhere he goes. So like that's a little bit of a caveat and good context to kind of keep in mind. With that said, he was quite bad, independent of all of that. He had ten turnovers. Like you just cannot have that from Trey. Um, did have ten assists um, to kind of but zero rebounds. Um, you know, he was only two of eight on twos and one of five on threes. That's a light. That's a line eight times, but. He was not bringing it in this game either. Like, I don't want to make too much of like the body language. He just didn't have a lot of juice in this one either. So I don't know if there's just frustration, um, but he really was bad. And the Hawks essentially had no shot with Trey playing the way that he did. Like they were already in a tough spot, generally speaking. But when you throw in Trey doing what Trey did tonight, they were kind of drawing dead. So it was kind of a perfect storm across the board for the Hawks on this night. That doesn't make anybody feel better. I know that. I know Hawks fans like really were really melting down in the middle of this game at different times. And I get it. Um, I will stress it's still quite early. The Hawks are four and three. They're two and two on the road. All of life is still reasonable. And if they go out and win the game on Wednesday in New York, five and three with this first eight games is a perfectly reasonable result. Um, if they go, if they lose and you're suddenly four and four again, and the schedule in November is pretty difficult compared to October, like I get it, but you know, we're still less than 10% through, uh, through the season. And the Hawks result wise have been totally fine. They have two bad losses. That's, that's for sure. Saturday's game, not a bad loss. This one was bad. Uh, the Charlotte game was bad. But uh, yeah, that's kind of all I have for this one. A frustrating one on Halloween night into November, and hopefully they can wipe, wipe the slate clean here. Um, from here, the Hawks do have one more game on their lengthy, seemingly never-ending road trip. It's game five on the trip. It's in New York, MSG, Wednesday night. Uh, Trey Young always seems to be welcomed warmly by the MSG crowd. He likes to play there. I expect him to be much better in that game than he was on Monday. Um, also, the Knicks have a rest advantage in that game. The Knicks played on Sunday against the Cavs, and they had two days off in between. Um, actually, yeah, two days, twofold. They, they were off tonight and then off again on Tuesday, plus home court. So that's a little bit of an advantage there. And also the last game of a road trip, kind of tough. But maybe off of this one where guys did not play their full allotment, like nobody, nobody played more than 30, 32 minutes because of how bad the blowout was. Maybe the Hawks be fresh in that one and have sort of a closing kick to the end of the road trip before they have two full days off Thursday and Friday before they actually get back at home on Saturday. So we'll have full coverage of all of that. I am planning to do at least one non-game podcast this week, maybe even two. We'll see. But uh, certainly going to be uh, up and around either between these two games, between Monday and Wednesday, or definitely have something between the game on Wednesday and the game on Saturday. But the best way to find the podcast always is to subscribe to the show across platforms. If you want to support the podcast, download or click and subscribe on multiple platforms. That's definitely allowed and encouraged. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube for sure. Subscriptions there and likes and thumbs up and all, all that all that fun stuff. Please tell a friend about the podcast as well. If you know a Hawks fan, friend in your life that has not found the podcast just yet, 
have them check it out. If they don't like it, that's okay. But have them give it a chance. Uh, that's for, That would definitely help me to uh, grow the show as much as humanly possible at this stage. Also, follow the show on Twitter at Lots on Hawks. If you have an email question for the podcast to be answered on a future show, you can find that at LockedOnHawks at gmail.com. That's LockedOnHawks at gmail.com. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at BT Roland as well. That'll be it for tonight, everybody. So uh, we'll see you uh, definitely at the very latest after the game on Wednesday, maybe even before that. But the best thing you could possibly do is subscribe to the podcast. And we'll see you next time.